Welcome to the Work in Progress podcast, where we keep our whip in check. And now here's Michelle, certified coach and founder of Strive Leadership Development. Hey, everybody. Welcome to podcast number 58. Today, I am talking about a concept that I have spent the last two decades learning, observing, researching, testing, just taking in as much as I can about this concept to create what I want to share to you today. And it's called performance motivators. That is what this podcast is all about. And listen, be sure you stay until the end of this podcast because I have a very cool challenge for you that I know you'll definitely want to take advantage of and take part in. So make sure you stick around. Now, it all started when I began my career in sales and transitioned to managing and training salespeople. And the overall concept of the understanding of how and why humans make the decisions that we make. The concept of how emotions motivate us, how, mo- how they motivate everybody, we, the rest of the world, and, and really every company across the world knows this and understands this. That's what marketing is all about. It begins with understanding how people feel, how they want to feel, and how to help them see that they can feel how they want to feel by purchasing a certain product or a service, whatever it may be. We all understand this, and probably many of you listening right now have marketing efforts or marketing departments that operate to accomplish this and see the successes of this being implemented properly. Now, according to the American Psychological Association, APA, emotions are how individuals deal with matters or situations that they find personally significant. That's how the APA um, defines it. There's many definitions, but for the purpose of today, we're gonna go with that one. So. Well, it doesn't stop with marketing. It's quite scientifically based in neuroscience and as our needs motivators. Human emotions drive actions, purchases, activities, or the lack of activities with everything that we do. So it becomes the job of the salesperson, in my previous analogy, to understand their buyer and their buyer's emotions and what is driving their specific decisions to satisfy for them. Now, great salespeople understand that, and they seek to solve for that. And we were very good at training salespeople for that purpose and helping buyers create what they desired based on all of this, not convincing them of something they didn't want, but finding what it was that they wanted to satisfy within their emotional needs and helping them see how they can do that with our product. So I began after training this over and over again and and watching this with consumers, I began to apply the analogy of it into my world in other ways. And I would look at people in this way in terms of their emotional drivers for all of their decisions, including my own decisions. What am I being driven by? What are these emotions driving me toward or desiring? Because we're all driven by them. But I began to apply it to use as a leader. And I began to notice some trends and some patterns. And as I learned more, I applied it in ways that helped me to connect better with the people around me. So that's the short story. That was the long, short story. (laughs) When I started my home building company in the Great Recession, I needed to hire people. And I wanted to hire the best people, of course, right? The problem for me was that the people who are the best 
weren't really worried about losing their jobs in the Great Recession. So even though others were getting laid off around them, usually, at least in my industry at that time, the talent I wanted to attract were not at risk for job loss. But I also couldn't pay top dollar for talent like the larger companies could. I was still a brand new company and you know, didn't have those same budgets and, and abilities from a compensation package to offer that. So it was a bit risky to come to work for me at that time. So I thought that, what can I offer top talent that others can't? How can I win in this situation? I had one thing going for me at least. <laughs> hopefully at least this one thing. Hopefully, hopefully more. I had a great reputation in the industry and a very loyal following of people who enjoyed working with me and who would give me the time of day to at least hear what I had going on at the time. So that was a great start to get a conversation going, but it wasn't going to be enough for someone to just jump ship from their high paying corporate job with great benefits package to come take a risk with me. And I knew that. So, I mean, I'm confident, but I'm not crazy. What I did know was that the layoffs were happening around these great people and they may have had great job security, but their companies were still functioning. And now those who were left who were taking on the work of everybody were probably carrying the load of one to two or more other people's jobs. And they were stretched far more than they had before. So they were working hard, burning out, and their lives and their companies were far from happy at that time. So that was my new path. I had a few positions to fill. I reached out to the people who I knew would be most motivated by what I could offer them. And it was a new concept at that time, the work-life balance. And I found those who were motivated to appreciate this as part of their motivation to make change. And that was the beginning of what I have now created since, my two main con concepts. One is operating in emotional leadership, and that means a lot of things. But included within it is my main culture and leadership focus where I teach that it's never about the money and the concept of that based on performance motivators. So my theory is that it is never about the money. It's a concept I've created that is based scientifically from research and studies whereby humans have an emotional desire or emotion that drives actions to satisfy that emotional driver desire. In simplest terms, this means that if all things were equal, for the sake of this example, that the reason someone chooses to work at this place for this company doing this job is to satisfy something else that is far more important to them. It's their non-negotiable, their deal, their deal breaker. And without that being satisfied, it's a hard no. In other words, there are many companies that do the exact same thing. And they exist in the same areas in most cases. So geography is not a factor either if remote work is not even an option, which it is now as well. But a person chooses to work at one of those companies and not the other one and stay there for their emotionally driving reason or what I call their performance motivator. So long as that need is satisfied, they're unlikely to seek a different opportunity. And if pursued with one, they're unlikely to leave for another opportunity. And even if they do, which does happen, I'll come back to my story about Boomerang Bob later, they may come back if that need is not satisfied elsewhere. So I have example after example of how this has been proven over and over again. Over time, I categorize these groups of people into six different categories for what motivates them. And these performance motivators are their deal breakers. 
You have one. I have one. We all have one. And the interesting thing is this, we likely always have a little bit of each of these existing within us. But at any given time, there's one that is the number one driver, the number one deal breaker. Now, when I operated under these concepts, I noticed a big shift. Next thing I know, I had my people telling me that I was the best manager they've ever had. Now, this really caught me off guard, and I wasn't looking for this or expecting it. I think I was fairly surprised when it started happening. And then one night, we were at an industry awards show where our entire company was in attendance, and we were up for many awards that night amongst many categories. And they were giving out this leadership award. And someone up front was reading this long story about someone. And because we were kind of all having fun with our group together, I was pretty much kind of only half listening to what they were saying because there were multiple tables. We'd already won quite a few awards. We were, everybody was feeling very celebratory. And I wasn't really listening to everything they were saying until I heard my name announced from the stage over the microphone. And I looked up having no idea what was going on. I can't imagine the look that was on my face. And everybody was looking at me and teary, some were teary-eyed and coming up to me and hugging me. And I was like, what in the world is going on here? I could not have been more shocked than I was that night. I had won the Industry Leadership Award and was nominated by my team. And I couldn't even remember what they said about me. Shocked was an understatement. I had no idea. To this day, I have not heard or read the kind words they said about me that night, but I'm sure they've told me along the way, and it wasn't anything I hadn't already heard from them. And I tell you this, not because I thought or think, oh, so great, and what a great story, and you should be inspired by it. No, I tell you this because what I realized through that time is that the reason I stood out was also because most people had not had a leader or boss who had ever cared about them that much, who showed up with them and, and showed them they were appreciated and valued, who saw them and heard them and tried to understand them. I'm proud of them and, I, and what I was able to do for them and what we accomplished. And I also want others to have the same experience too. And I was able to do this because I was not only kind and respectful and compassionate with them, I also applied the principles of what I was learning. And all these things are things anyone else can do too. And when you do, it's so worth it no matter what your motivation is. Now, let me clarify something for you. This is really important. These performance motivators and this concept is not to be confused with personality testing or strengths finders or anything of that nature. You're probably familiar with all of those and they are all amazing. They're interesting, they're fun. There's tremendous amount of science behind those as well. I take them very seriously, but it's a layering effect. And what I bring is a complement to the concept of what you already bring. So the performance motivators just complement all of the other things that you can learn and know about other people and with each other. Personality tests reveal how you've learned to survive and succeed in the world since you were born, through how you were raised or socialized, and then other factors that have determined your way and your style. Now, in your strengths and your zones of genius, your superpowers are also valuable and powerful in this process. The difference with performance motivators is that they are based on the current season of your life. What are you doing in the world right now? Your personal circumstances, your personal goals, your choices for how you want to live today, right now, at a core emotional level. How you want to feel, what 
things bring you joy and fulfill you. And as the seasons of your life shift and evolve, so do your performance motivators because you have new emotions, needs, desires, and drives to satisfy. Now you could be in one category when you're 32 years old and then a different category when you're 47 years old or possibly several others in your professional lifetime. And this is where operating in emotional leadership comes in. When you're managing people, leading them, it will add so much valuable um, ability to your leadership skills when you can determine the performance motivators of those you're hiring, those you're managing on your team, and how their performance motivators change over time. Now, they may fall into one performance category when they start their career with your company, and then six years later, they may be motivated very differently. And if you're not paying attention, you may begin to lose your great people. Now, this is an opportunity for you to maintain the connection with them, to create their loyalty for the long haul. The best part is that this is a simple concept, yet it's a very powerful one. It's fun. You watch it unfold and recognize the signs of each performance motivator and then operate within that in your communications with them. When you understand what's motivating the individuals on your team, you'll know how to communicate with them in the ways that speak to them most. And on the other hand, when you're not speaking their language, it will be easy to lose them. They won't be coming along for your ride. Back to emotional leadership. If you want them to follow, how are you doing this? So let's run through the six performance motivators. I'm gonna do it quickly with you and I'm not gonna give you a lot of examples. I'm gonna do that in a future podcast and um, working together with us, you spend a lot of time diving into this further as well. But for the fun and brevity of today, I wanna go through these for you so that you have a concept of what we're talking about. One is our tribe thinkers. And these, are, these people are motivated by creating an extended family, a culture of their social lives being a huge part of their work life and vice versa. Work life and personal life are one and the same for them. And if it's not, they will seek a workplace that can offer this. This is important to them. Without it, it's, it's, a, it's a deal breaker. The second one, the next one is our success seekers. And our success seekers are focused on the climb, learning, growing, developing, getting to the next level. They wanna be seen and heard and recognized as being valuable and they're hungry for the rewards, large and small, and that they can earn and get where they want to go, whatever it is they need to do. Now our change champions, they're signing up for the cause that you stand for as a company. What do you believe in? What is the mission? What are the ways they can be a part of that purpose? If you have a change champion, you have a walking billboard in life on social media and everywhere possible promoting it. Now our impact players thrive on being recognized as a necessary and integral aspect of the growth and strategy of the business. Without being seen and held in that regard, they will move on to where they are. It's not the climb, it's being seen as necessary and integral. Our boundary balancers have great talents to offer and they must be able to do it on their terms. They have strong lines and responsibilities that must be accommodated. And if they are not, it becomes nearly impossible for them to make it work. They are truly valuable assets, and if you can work with their needs, you can gain a strong employee for your team. 
And then we have the structure whiz, and they thrive on being a contributor and job security and are proud of what they bring to the company. They need structure and for the lines not to be blurred. They don't want after hours calls or demands and they don't need to climb. They're satisfied with where they are, they're risk averse, they don't want a lot of change and while they do want to be appreciated, recognition is not necessary, especially publicly and may not be welcomed. But job security and minimal risk is what motivates a structure with. Now most of us manage other people and communicate with other people and it's easy for us to assume that others think the way we think and that others are motivated by the way we are motivated. And that's completely natural and normal. That's how many of us operate. That's why we very commonly attract others into our worlds who are most like us. So there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. Let's assume that you fall into one of the six performance motivators and you are most comfortable managing others who are motivated the same way you are. Well, that's just 17% of the people out there in the job market, statistically speaking. So this means that you may not be attracting, connecting, or speaking the language of another 83% of other people out there in the market. So how much talent and value are you leaving on the table by not considering opening this to this concept? Now, as I mentioned in the next podcast, I'm gonna expand on each of the performance motivators with examples and stories about how some of the people I've enjoyed in my career along the way, including Boomerang Bob, as I mentioned earlier. Today, I wanna stay high level for you though. When you can truly know the right answer as to each person's performance motivator, your ability to lead people will shift dramatically. You will realize that you can see them for who they are, and that means you can speak to them and motivate them in ways that inspire them, that motivate them, that help them want to be a part of the team, to ensure you and the company are successful. They'll jump through the hoops for you to accomplish whatever you place in front of them. This is powerful for you and for the company and for them. And when I tell you it's never about the money, I assure you that it is true. There will be very little reason for someone to seek opportunities elsewhere to begin with. They won't have a reason to start looking. And if they are pursued by others, and that we know, we all know that happens in the job market, we probably do it, right? They're less likely to return those calls with their interest. And even if they do, They'll be doing it and coming from a place of satisfaction and all their needs already being satisfied. And that is a tough offer to be. Now, this is not to say that you don't need to pay people well. I am not saying that. Let me make it very clear that I do not advocate for not paying people well and what they're worth and their value. But what I am saying is that we must assign value as well to all of the other things that you bring. When you operate in emotional leadership, there is a value assigned to it and their experience working for you is valuable. You must assign value to that. And this is not a complicated concept. It's simpler than anything else you will do in leadership. At the end of the day, I would even dare suggest that even if you can't offer the same comp package as another company, and I've been there, I have been in those shoes plenty of times, that what you offer in your leadership can make up for that. I am proof of it, I promise you. This also means that if there's a time when someone wants to leave, that tossing money their way is only a Band-Aid. When you understand these concepts fully, you will see 
that more money is a temporary fix, but it doesn't solve for someone not satisfying what is most important to them. Fixing the real problem will cost you far less in the end in both dollars and turnover and create a far happier employee in the long run. You may think that you know what your performance motivator is already. And you might be right. But here's my challenge for you today. Here's the fun part. I told you to hang out for this. This is the good part. And then it gets even a little bit better. It's two parts. Here's my challenge for you today. Go straight to our website, striveleadershipdevelopment.com. On the website, you are going to see that you can take the performance motivator quiz. It's only a few questions. It will not take you long at all. You are going to get those results emailed to you and get a full understanding of all of these details. So I'm going to outline it for you in the email that you receive once you take the quiz. There's no right or wrong answers. There aren't worse or better or right or wrong performance motivators. This is really important for you to know. Whichever one you get is the one and it's, a, and it's fantastic and it's amazing. But you're gonna get all of the details. Then, here's the fun part. You're gonna be able to forward that link to the people on your team. Ask them to take the quiz too. I want you to try to guess whether you know what each person's performance motivator is ahead of time on your own. And then have a conversation with them about the results. See if you were on track and what you learned in your conversation with them about it. You might be surprised. And even if you were right and you guessed it correctly, I bet you will learn something new from them that you didn't know that will be valuable to you going forward. So go to striveleadershipdevelopment.com, take the performance motivator quiz and get your own results. Then forward it to your team members to take the quiz too. I want you to let me know in the comments what you find out. Tell me everything. I can't wait to hear how it goes. If you were right, tell me all the things you were right about and why and what you learned from it. And if you were wrong, tell me what happened and what, you, what they shared with you that was different. I would love to hear all about it. This is the stuff that I get so excited about hearing and I know other people will learn from it too. So listen, this is what we work on. This is what we learn and we practice in our community every day at Strive. So I hope you'll join us learn more about how to lead in emotional leadership and use the performance motivator concepts to maximize your leadership style. There's so much more. This is just the tip of the iceberg. When you can actually learn how to implement and use this, it's so simple and it will change your leadership, your following and the culture of your team and the loyalty of them forever. And you're going to see the impacts and the results immediately. This isn't something that you put into place now and you, you see the results later. This is something that you get to see immediately. So go put it into use. I'm giving you such a great tool that you can put into use right now. And I hope I'll get to see you soon. Come check us out. For more ways to keep your work in progress in check, visit striveleadershipdevelopment.com.